Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women on life after 50 who are unafraid to age out loud. I'm your host, Katie Fogarty. Buckle up, beauties. We have a super show on deck. I'm joined by podcasting powerhouse, author, and big-time book lover, Zibby Owens, the creator of the Moms Don't Have Time To brand and media platform. You may know her from her award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time To Read, or her growing list of podcasts, publications, and book picks for Good Morning America. Maybe you've tuned into her TikTok show, Sex Talk, with Zibby and Tracy. You might have bumped into her on the playground with one of her four kids, or maybe you're just meeting her today. Any which way, you are in for a treat. We are going to talk books, creativity, podcasting, and parenting. All the things. Welcome, Zibby. Wow, that was the best intro ever. (laughs) Thank you for that. That was great. Oh, I'm so excited to have you today. And I'm truly grateful you found the time because you have a full plate, you know, which I love. And I want to dive into each one of your projects. But I would love to start by learning how it all began. You know, how did you launch the original podcast? And why did you choose to focus on books? None of this was really planned. Um, It all basically started soon after I got divorced. I had four kids and I ended up with a little bit of extra time to write and read and remember who I was. And I also had been getting completely fed up with all the demands on moms these days. Um, The last draft for me was when the preschool teachers asked for donations of a roll of toilet paper without the toilet paper on it, you know, just the cardboard underneath. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? I, I am done. I am drawing the line in the sand. I cannot do this. <clears throat> and I had a lot of kids in part because I love kids. And I wasn't even able to spend time on my days, quote unquote, with them because I was so busy emailing about them and setting up playdates and dealing with forms and all this stuff. And I just like had enough. That's amazing. So I, wrote, I wrote this essay um, called A Mother's Right to Sanity for HuffPost. And I went to bed and woke up and it had like, I don't know, 65,000 views or something like that. So that inspired me to keep doing lots of writing, which I had been doing my whole life. And um, th- I am getting to how this became a podcast. <laughs> so I um, so I had, I amassed a, a bunch of essays. And then my soon-to-be husband then, now my husband one night said, why don't you collect all these essays into a book? And I said, ugh, moms don't have time to read books. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. That'll be the name of my book. Uh, but then I found out that no one in publishing thought that was funny. And another girlfriend who was an author said that I should start a podcast, which I didn't even know what that was. But I thought, well, if it's not going to be a book, I might as well use the title and make it into a podcast. And I was always like sending articles and recommending books and ripping things out of magazines and forwarding things. So at first I thought I would just read great essays to people who didn't have time to read them or read excerpts of books. But then I found out that was illegal. So I thought, well, I guess I'll just interview authors. And I knew like three authors. And I thought, well, I'll just try it and see how it goes. And that is how it started. Long story. Sorry. No, no, no. You're a great storyteller. I'm like hanging on every word. I love that it was a bit serendipitous. And and that toilet paper thing w- would have broken me as well. Like moms <laughs> do not have time to unroll all the toilet paper or like police the bathroom to make sure that little cardboard insert is not being thrown out. Um, right. Ugh, of all the things. That, yeah. that is absolutely hilarious. I love how how you just um, dove into podcasting, even though it was sort of new to you. And so how many years ago was that? Is, is it Was it seven? Am I correct when I- No, no, no. Only three years. 2018, um, March of 2018. 
Uh, and yeah, I just Googled how to start a podcast. And actually, I think I Googled easiest way to start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or even or even like how to do a podcast in your phone because I didn't have a microphone or anything to start with. And, and the first episode, I, I like downloaded this app or whatever, and I just recorded into my phone like in my bedroom while my kids were upstairs. And I was like, all right, well, that's episode one. <laughs> oh my God, that is so wild. I love that. The easiest way. I love Google. Google could teach you know, can teach you anything. Is that how you find your authors? I mean, because you um, you podcast every day. Am I correct? You're talking to a different author every day? Yeah. Some like Sometimes I have to release like three a day just to keep up with this backlog. I have a really hard time saying no, which... <laughs> well, I'm so, um, I'm so glad you're saying yes to me. So. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. Don't, I really wanted to be on your show. I was really excited about it. Again, you know, I have to like now... I'm like having a fake ID in the wrong direction to get on your show. I'm only 44, but... <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Exactly. Well, I've had a couple of, you know, I've had a couple of younger guests too. And it, it is sort of funny. I had a woman on the show um, a couple of episodes ago and she was like, I, you know, I feel like I had to like lie about my age. Age. So um, that's extremely funny. So tell me a little bit about how you do surface all these authors. If you're releasing a podcast today, if you're releasing sometimes three podcasts, are the authors finding you at this point? Because you've really established sort of a beachhead as a literary podcaster. Tell me how you surface your guests. I get pitched so many books. I mean, I get probably, I don't know, maybe 20 emails a day of book pitches um, from publicists, from individuals who've written books. They're just everywhere. Um, so I could fill my show. I could have like years booked right now with just the pitches I've gotten. So I spend a lot of time going through and figuring out what I want to do. And then I also proactively go through and see what books are coming out each month and which ones I would want to have on the show. Okay. So that I don't just, so I'm not totally responsive. I want to be more you know, proactive as well. Um, and then I just reach out to publicists or a lot of times, honestly, I reach out with DMs on Instagram or I comment like, oh my gosh, this book looks so good. And I don't even mean to, you know, but it really does look good or somebody posts about something. So there is no shortage of great books and so many books look good to me. And it's also, you know, I hate passing up the opportunity to get to know somebody else. So anyway, it's just, um, I have to get better at saying no, but I, I can't seem to. No, it's there's so many wonderful books out there. And I and I totally agree. I'm a book lover. I love that you're focusing on this. My mom's a librarian. Uh, I, and my dad is a compulsive book buyer. And um, like the joke in our uh, among my friend group was that I was the only one that anyone knew growing up whose living room books were arranged in the Dewey Decimal System because like my, <laughs> my family is obsessed with books. So that's why I was so excited to have you on the show. So we're, we're talking about summer fun all month long, and, and books are obviously a big part of that, Beach Reads. We're going to dive into some of your other projects, but I would love to hear, you know, what you're reading now and, and the kind of, maybe the top three books that you want to recommend to our listeners that they put in their beach bag before the summer ends. They should definitely read The Paper Palace by Miranda Cowley Heller, which is so good and I feel like would be perfect for your audience because it is a woman of a certain age who has three uh, kids. Some, two of them are like 10. I think they're twins and one is maybe 16. And it's about what you do when you're basically happily married, but the true love of your life forever comes along and what do you do? Um, and it all takes place in Cape Cod and it's beautifully written. Um, I, I thought I had discovered it, but then it was a Reese's book pick, which I was totally annoyed about because I was like, well, I guess it's not my pick anymore. Um, so that's really great. And that's, again, The Paper Palace. 
I also loved Between Two Kingdoms, which is a memoir uh, by Suleika Jouad about, um, I think it's called A Memoir of a Life Interrupted is the subtitle. And it's about how she got cancer at a young age and worked through it. But it's really about life and inspiration and dealing with, you know, life sort of when it's suspended for whatever reason, which most people at one point or another go through, <clears throat> whether through loss or grief or whatever. Um, that was also amazing. Um, Sounds they, fabulous. Those are probably my top two of the summer so far. Okay, well, I'm putting both of those on my list. I've actually heard the Between Two Kingdoms title floating around, and I didn't realize what it was about. It sounds really interesting. Um, Zibby, in a minute, we're going to uh, dive into your sex talk with Tracy. I know <laughs> Tra Tracy was actually a guest on the show, and for any listeners who's miss missed that episode in season three, please go back and listen to it. Tracy Cox came on to talk about Great Sex uh, After 50, which is her most recent book, but she's written 17 others, and she and Zibby have a very buzzy, very hot uh, viral uh, sex talk, but we're going to uh, take a quick ad break and, and talk about that when we return. Summer fun equals sun. Want to make sure the sun looks good on you? Meet Soleil Toujours. More than a sunscreen, Soleil Toujours offers luxurious coral reef safe, non-toxic formulas with all mineral UV protection, which moisturize and nourish your skin. Potent antioxidants, vitamins, and botanicals pamper and protect you. It's skincare for sun. I stock my beach bag with their clean, conscious, antioxidant sunscreen mist and their divine Mineral Alley Hydra Lip Masks. Each makes me feel protected and polished during summer and beyond. Make protection from the sun's harmful rays a daily routine, not just a beach day consideration. Want to let the sun shine in? Soleil Toujours has a sun-kissed offer for a certain age listeners. You get 20% off anything with code KD20 at checkout. That's K-A-T-I-E-2-0. Keep the beauty you were born with. Head to Soleil Toujours. That's S-O-L-E-I-L-T-O-U-J-O-U-R-S for luxurious all-mineral sun care. Beauties, the sun looks good on you. Okay, Zibby, we're back. I uh, loved having Tracy Cox on the show. I, you introduced me to her, which I was really grateful for. And I know that you launched a podcast with her and then um, started, you know, I guess, showing it on TikTok. I'm going to confess that I'm 51 and I have never been on TikTok. I know my kids love it. Tell us a little bit about Sex Talk and how it got started and what listeners can expect and find on it. Um, so originally it was called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Sex. Uh, that was one of the sections of, of the anthology I had that came out recently. And when I interviewed her, just like you, like, I, I don't know, I like fell in love with her. I was like, she's so funny and smart. And I was like, perfect. She and I should do this show. At first I was like, I said to Tracy, like, you should just do this show. Like, you should just have a show. And she's like, no, I want to talk to you on the show. <laughs> so um, we came up with a format that we would do three anonymously sourced questions each episode that I would say out loud. I would read them and she would answer and then she'd give a sex tip of the week. And uh, my social media manager took a real interest in this whole thing. And she was like, why don't we try marketing this on TikTok? We were like, okay, sure, whatever. So... <laughs> I didn't really pay much attention to it. She started like a separate account for it on TikTok. I had a little TikTok account myself that my tweens, my teens set up for me, which like nobody ever looks at, which is fine. I mean, it's not fine, but it is what it is. Anyway, so she, Nina started this new account for us and I'm literally like in the bathroom, like uh, brushing my teeth. And I was like, I wonder if I should check that TikTok account and see whatever happened to it. So my husband's like on the other side, like in bed in our room and I'm like nearby in the bathroom and I like, like, 
open it up and I was like, (gasps) (laughs) because like in big letters, like over this like talking head of me is like, um, you know, like how often should I be having sex? And then like, (laughs) and then the next one was like, um, what was it? Like, it's really painful for me to have sex. What should I do? And I was like, oh my gosh, it looks like I'm asking all these questions. And it was one after another. And before I knew it, like one of our videos has 1.8 million views. Whoa. Like people were, yeah, people were like doing duets with me, like meaning they would like put their face on. And like I was like, I cannot believe this is happening. I was completely mortified. I was like, what does this even have to do with my brand? Like, what am I doing? So funny. But um it's so fun. I just can't help myself. It's like so fun. And then we actually like, <laughs> we won the platinum award from like the dot communicate dot com awards for best comedy podcast. And we were like, <laughs> we didn't even know we were doing a comedy. Like I laugh all the time because I'm so uncomfortable with the material, but, um, and she's, you know, dry and British and hilarious, but yes, um, I love, well, you know, you have to be willing to be uncomfortable to try new things. I mean, it, obviously it, it hit a nerve because people have so many questions. One of the things that I loved about Tracy's book is that it's both practical and explicit, right? It's like very Mm -hmm. direct. And so the TikTok is the same thing. So what is the most useful piece of advice that you've heard or share with listeners? Oh, man. Um, The most useful. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. <laughs> There's too many pieces of advice. There's too many pieces to of advice. Um, what about the most embarrassing thing? Is that easier? Oh my gosh, we had a whole thing today about like different sex toys and there's something called pegging, which I didn't even, okay, here's how different Tracy and I are. Exactly. The question was, my husband wants to like peg with me and what is that? And I didn't know what it was until she told me today. And she not only knows what it is, but she, it's, it's part of her sex toy line. Whoa. (laughs) It's like how to help you do this, this like, anyway, I don't even want to talk about it. (laughs) Um, so yeah, that's always embarrassing. And, um, okay. Everyone's going to have to like the moment the show is over, go hit the Google and just like Google. What is the easiest way to peg? Because we, (laughs) no, don't, don't Don't. do that. Okay. Don't do that. All right. (laughs) You don't don't want to do that. Okay. Oh my God. (laughs) No, no, no. You know, I don't think you want to do that, but go listen to our podcast about it. Maybe it's on sextalkpod.com. Um, where all our podcasts are just sex talk with Zibby and Tracy, um, and listen to it because she explains it and then you won't have like some weird search history. <laughs> okay. All right. That's important because you might be sharing your computer with your family. I'll put this into this uh, to the show notes so that people can go find it um, because she's <laughs> wonderful and I, you've been getting great reviews for it and I know it's been blowing up. So I think that's something that women listening to the show would be curious about, but it's also the kind of thing that maybe you can direct your, you know, your daughters to or, or your sisters or your friends because the more you know, the more you know and it's, uh, it's important to have that information. And P.S. A lot of men listen to the show. I bet. Just, just saying. <laughs> I, I, I bet. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. So, Zibby, you mentioned earlier your pandemic uh, quarantine anthology, which I have and I love. And one of the reasons why I bought it is because um, I'm a fan of your brand and your podcast. But two of the women who've been on my show um, appeared in it. Uh, Karen Duquesne wrote a, a piece uh, and um, Rachel Levy-Lesser, and I love them both. So I wanted to support the project. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the quarantine anthology, what what um you know, how it came to be and, and what they can expect if they hit Amazon or bookshop.org and buy it. Sure. And also, I was on your site earlier today, and uh, Terry Cheney, who you interviewed, is going to be in my second anthology, which comes out in November. Um, but I, the lo- first- I loved her. I loved her. Yeah, I loved her. I loved she's her. amazing. Amazing. Um, so it's called a quarantine anthology because it originally came out during the quarantine as um, 
as a collection of essays each week, like an online magazine, if you will. And I had a, I had envisioned it as a website based on the topics that moms didn't have time to do. And I picked the top five to get started. Moms didn't have time to eat, work out, have sex, uh, read, and breathe. And when the pandemic started, I kept releasing with the help of several editors and other authors who I was working with a couple of these every week. And after a few months, we stopped releasing them. Uh, I felt like people did have, I called it We Found Time at the time. And I, then I felt like, okay, well, it's summer, maybe people do have time, so I'll stop releasing these. And then come September, I was like, I wonder how many essays I released. And there were over 60. And I put them all in one document. And I was like, oh, it's a book. It's just long enough for, to be a book. So that is how it became an anthology. It's called Moms Don't Have Time to a Quarantine Anthology. I donated all the proceeds to COVID research at Mount Sinai Health System um, in honor of my late mother-in-law and late grandmother-in-law, both of whom passed away from COVID last summer. And it's a, it's, it's, it's a timeless collection of things, of women's thoughts, and by best-selling authors, actresses, influencers, all sorts of people, all of whom had been on my podcast. So they all had to have written a book. And they range from, you know, why one person has chosen Tiffany Schlein doesn't use technology one day a week to Janice Kaplan talking about going to Japan with her grown son who finally can like lead her around somewhere now that he's college age. And um, just a, a assortment, Gretchen Rubin's tips on reading, Evangeline Lilly on going to the movies and how she picks her projects. Uh, they're really like little letters, little diary entry type things from really amazing writers. So I don't know. For me, it's like such a thrill to read an essay by somebody I love. Um, so I collected them all and that's how it became a book. It was such a and thank you and thank you for buying it. That's so nice of, of you, of course. And it's such a wonderful snapshot. And I, um, you know, I, th I think it's such a great um, reminder of sort of what we went through and and how we, you know, interacted with that that period of time. Um, I remember seeing um, your social media, you know, sort of updates about your uh, mother in law's battle with COVID. It was such a it was such a hard time. Um, I'm, you know, it's amazing that you were able to produce this and, 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 you know, create some good and, and donate the money from the book to that. Um, what, you know, the, the book touches a lot on resilience and obviously you, you've experienced, you know, loss. You, you've mentioned at the top of the show that you went through a divorce, you, you lost two loved ones to COVID. You know, how do you, what, if anything, have you learned about resilience from talking to these different authors from creating that anthology? Um, I've learned a lot. Well, I've learned a lot from loss in general. I also lost my best friend on 9-11 and she was my roommate and that sort of sparked off this whole, um, uh, you know, deeper understanding of life, honestly. I mean, I know my brand is moms don't have time to as kind of, you know, tongue in cheek that we're all so busy, but I do think there's a deeper message in there, which is all of our time is limited. And I am the type of person who thinks about that on a daily basis. And I feel like I'm constantly, um, fighting the clock, right? I'm trying to fit it all in what I want to do, what I want to accomplish, what I like all the stuff in life. And without all these great things like that, we joke about eating, working out, having sex, you know, sleep, all these things that I have people write essays about, like, what is there if we don't make time for all these things? What is life really? Like, what's the whole point of this whole thing? So I learned from the authors that we have to make time because it's like, going away 
right before our eyes. So it's up to us to claim our joy. And, you know, no matter how challenging a time, even in the midst of grief and loss, and you have to find those ways to get that laugh or take that time out or whatever, because that's, this is all we have. And like, let's, we can't just wait until later. It like now is the moment. So that's kind of my main takeaway. I love that. Don't postpone joy, you know, uh, claim it now. And and it's funny, I, I just posted something on my social media. It was a quote from one of the, the guests on the show, and it was talking about, it was actually Nancy Davis Co., the podcaster behind um, the well-known music podcast, Midlife Mixtape. And she talks about the notion of gratitude and how you uh, find what you look for. You know, and so if you're looking for things to be grateful for, you can find them. You know, if you're looking for, you know, to, to have joy, you can find it, you know, but the, the, it's a double-sided coin. You know, if you're looking for things to be upset about or worried about, like you're, you're definitely going to find those. So I love that one of your takeaways is just this notion of that, like, you know, we're responsible for claiming our own joy. Yes. Sibi, I'm curious, how do you stay creative? Because, you know, you have a full plate. We're talking, you've got multiple podcasts at this point. You've got one quarantine anthology done. You've got another one in the works. I know um, from actually seeing this on the news that you're writing a memoir. You know, how do you um, remain creative across these different types of platforms? Do you ever come to a creative, you know, is it an ebb and flow? Do you, how do you manage it? Um, no, it's not too much of an ebb and flow. And I also have Moms Don't Have Time to Write, which is our medium publication. And so, um, yeah, I have an ex so I, but my point is saying that too. And I'm the editor in chief, but I'm not like involved in the day to day. But part of what helps is that I've put together this amazing but tiny team of people who help. Uh, and who are way better than me in a lot of different ways. Um, so when I feel confident that things are being managed well, um, like Jordan Blumetti, who runs Moms No Time to Write, like I barely, I check in with him like once a week and he has it all covered and he sends me these amazing essays. And, you know, I like to set up the things like, hey, let's do this cool Vanity Fair end page thing. And then like, he can run with it, right? So I think having a team in place, um, both professionally and on the home front, so that, you know, I know that my kids are always like taken care of and that everything's great. And I mean, I'm in the next room and all that. So that's fine too. But um, so that gives me the peace of mind to be able to be creative. And it's all kind of feeding on itself. Like I'm, I'm like watching it from above. <laughs> I can feel it happening. I'm in like such a state right now of information influx. So I'm talking to so many people all the time and in different walks of life, right? Everybody's written a book, but that, that spans from chefs to athletes to, you know, pure literary figures to all sorts of people. And I'm just getting so much in that it's very easy for me to put stuff out again, right? Like, I just feel like I have all this input. Like if you're getting all sorts of ingredients and mixing them up, you're going to come out with some cookies, right? Right. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, so that's how I feel. I feel sort of like on fire in a way in that I am so lucky to be getting all this stuff in and learning again. And I missed it. I mean, I really missed school. I missed working really hard and being stressed and reading all the time and learning and all of that. And now I'm doing that again. And it's so electrifying and satisfying for me that um, it just is building on itself. So no, I don't really feel like I, 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 each conversation I talk to people, I'm like, oh, you know, you should do this. Or have you thought about this? Because like, it's the, you know, it's like the 15th podcast I've done that week. And so 
I don't know. I think it's, it's, I think making sure you take in enough inputs to put the stuff back out again is really important. I think that's so spot on. It's, you know, when you're in action, when you're um, having all your senses firing with the conversations, the different people. And I love that you, you, you know, you, you really touched upon it. You're talking to authors, but they cross, you know, different sectors, different, um, you know, expertise, and that kind of fuels you a little bit. Um, you, you, you work in both audio and digital, which we've already talked about. So you do the, your podcasting, you, you're creating social media content, you're creating digital content, you're writing for Medium. Uh, I know that you've done Instagram live shows and you've got your sex talk. Do you have a preferred format or do you love having um, your fingers in each one of these different mediums? Yeah, I like the whole thing. I like because I, <laughs> I, I know I do. I, I want. I want. It I want. <laughs> I want even more. Yeah. I, you know, I'm actually about to start something else very cool that I can't talk about yet. But um, no, I just want to do more and more cool things. Um, I like the challenge of figuring out how to try something new and make it work. Um, I find that really exciting. So. Uh, yeah, no, I like figure. I like doing all the different things. Okay, that makes sense. So tell me, Zibby, you're, you've got four kids. Do they love books too? I know that uh, this has been a topic of conversation. My kids are 21, 18, and 14. And over the years, I've heard from other moms that their kids are not into reading, and that can be a bit heartbreaking. You know, my kids have gone through different phases, and I would say they all love to read now. And they're active readers about the things they care about. But, you know, where do your kids land, and how did you encourage that? Oh, unfortunately, they see it as like my thing. <laughs> right. They're like, Mom, like mom's into not- it, so it's not cool. We're not doing exactly. It. I'm like, no, no, no. It's not like that. Um, no, I mean, I they do like to read, but it's really my last, my fourth kid, who's only six and a half. He's like my biggest reader. He reads a lot. He read really early. I'll often find him like curled up in bed with like one leg over the other, like he's a little old man, like reading on, reading a book in bed. Um, so cute. The other ones, yeah, you know, I have to say technology is sort of the death of the book around here. Um, Roblox versus graphic novels and all of that. So we struggle with uh limiting screen time if you will um yeah that's always i think they would all say they love they love books um they just would rather you know not read them right (laughs) right now (laughs) they love them in theory i know when my i mean my kids as i said now they're they're older they're high school college um but when they were young in elementary school we used to trade um reading for screen time so you'd have to read a half an hour and then you could have a half an hour on you know whatever it was webkins at the time i guess now it would be Fortnite. and you know my mom used to do reading challenges too where she would every summer you know if you read 10 books and told her about them you'd you know you could get like a hundred dollars it'd be like ten dollars a book and just kind of like to gamify it because kids um you know they're in the games they'd rather do the games and i think when you put when you sort of put the work in i mean i, I love reading so much it's such a joy it's just something that's just so integral to my life. And I, I was just curious, you know, since books are a big part of your day, I was, I was wondering how you're, how I, you know, I thought about doing something like that. I just don't ever want books to be seen as something like you have to do. Like a chore. Because I like love them so much. I don't know. I just never wanted to be like, you have to read before you do this, you know? Yeah. No, I got it. I don't know. But, but I'm probably doing it all wrong. I feel the same way about food. It's like, 
they have a cookie for breakfast. I don't know. I, I guess I'm just like always rebelling. By the way, you're the, the fun mom. You're the fun cookies for breakfast. I want to live with you. I know. You. I'm, I'm like, what am I doing? I like the mornings are like people are walking around eating cookies on their iPads. I'm like, I am the worst mom ever. No, my God, that's so funny. I remember one of my good friends years ago after we had, um, we each had three kids and she was saying with the first kid, like you didn't want them to have cookies. And the second one, you would like hand them a cookie while you're on the phone. And then with the third kid, you would like kick the cookie across the floor as long as they were <laughs> you know, it's, it's so like, cute. and by the way, that's why your third is like super well adjusted. My my third is just like roll with the punches, so easygoing. You know, it, yeah. it's tricky. But speaking of books, I know that you are at work on a memoir. So tell us about that. How's that going? Is it like hard to carve out time? Are you like waking up like ready, like so excited to sit down and and you know clock away at the keyboard? How how's the memoir writing going? It's good. Um, I finished draft already and um, have to do some edits this week. And um, it was really fun. It, I, I don't know. It went by so fast. I feel like I didn't even really do it. Uh, but I did it mostly in the early mornings and on the weekends when I didn't have the kids. So I would just get up super early at like five, even without the kids. And, um, you know, my dog was up that time anyway. So uh, I would just get up and hopefully before even my husband would wake up, I could write for four hours and um, it just kind of flowed out of me really quickly. And um, the editing, I kind of despise, I have to be honest. <laughs> I really like to write. I don't love editing my own work and trying to like move things around when it's like, oh. It's yeah, hard. It's my, you, you get attached to your words. So, yeah, it's hard. So do you need to edit before it goes to your editor? Is that is that the sort of process for, for those of us who haven't done this I before? I was going to send it to her, um, but then I asked one of my uh, really good friends to read it who reads like a book a day basically. And I was like, tell me honestly what you think. And she had such good edits that I shared her edits with my editor. And she said, okay, make those edits and then send it to me. Because she's like, I probably would have made similar edits. Like, they were really good. So I, I couldn't not do it. So I'm trying to make it the best I can and then have my editor get to work. Um, but hopefully the whole thing is supposed to be completed by September. And it's already July, so it sounds <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know. It sounds like you're making good progress. You're <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, but it's been really fun. And it's been seriously a dream of mine to do a memoir. I've had so many projects rejected. And the fact that I could finally sell it was like such a huge thing for me. So um, I'm really excited about it. Congratulations. That's exciting. And you know, I think you. that's like a big part of the, uh, the you, you know, you touched on it, like rejections come first, and then you, you know, so you finally connect with success after you just keep going. So you are, you know, you just said 44. So you're in your mid 40s. You're, you're already have, you know, had great success with your podcast and your different books. I know you write, like I've seen Washington Post articles and Good Morning America, you're doing your memoir. As you look ahead to 50, which is the show sort of focuses on, you know, what's your take on aging? What what are you excited about? Do you feel like it sounds like you're, you know, raring to go for this next chapter? How do you look at aging and, and what does it mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I'm just fighting against the clock. Uh, um, I feel like I'm benefiting sort of from the wisdom of where I am in life and you know, I mean, the thought of aging kind of makes me panic just in that it's closer <laughs> to the end, but I have so much just energy and I feel like I'm not going to stop just because what I turned 50 versus 45 or something. No, right. forget it. Um, so 
yeah, I'm ready to help. And I also think part of aging is helping people younger than me. So I'm excited to like work with younger people and help them and foster talent and find new great authors and, and all of that too. I'm, I'm excited to inspire and hopefully help other people not have to be as stressed as moms as, as our sort of generation was. I think that that's a long-term goal of mine. So I mean, I'm really happy. I have a great marriage. It's pretty new, you know, three years. And um, I just feel so lucky and I'm excited to watch my kids grow up. So I feel like uh, I'm just grateful for every day I'm getting. And, uh, you know, I have a really great colorist. So as long as like, <laughs> as long as Rich and I can still keep hanging, I feel pretty good. Oh my God, that's so, hang on to that colorist. We're very important. <laughs> Zippy, before we go, I wanted to end with a quick speed round. So this was something that I did on my very first show and I haven't done it in a couple of seasons and I'm, I'm looking to bring it back in season four because I think it's a lot of fun. Would you be up for it with me? Yes, okay. but I might take a minute to respond, hey, right. but you let me try. I'll you, try my best. It doesn't, yeah, you, your own level of speed. You go, run your own race. Go at your own pace. So my quick question is, book you're reading now. Oh, what book am I reading now? Yes. Um, I just finished Cack Handed by uh, Gina Yasheri. Nice. Okay. Yeah. A book you could read again and again. The Paper Palace. Again, I won't really want to reread it now that I've read it once. Miranda Kelly Heller. Heller Kelly. Awesome. Okay. Best book to give us a gift. Um, best book. I would bring, give a cookbook. Um, maybe th there's one by Julia uh, Tertian that I really liked. I think it was called Simply Julia or something. Um, I always think a cookbook is a great gift. I agree. That's terrific. Okay. Dream author to have on your podcast who has not appeared on the show yet. Um, I'd really like to interview Michael Lewis. I haven't ha had him on yet. So... Okay. That's he, my wish list. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. And finally, the next book you plan to dive into. The next book I plan to dive into, what am I reading this weekend? Um, oh, the next book I'm going to dive into is Jason Mott's Hell of a Book. Okay. All right. Fantastic. I'm putting all of these into the show notes. I'm so excited. We have you know, about six weeks of summer left. We're going to, you know, uh, stock our beach bags with all these great reads. Zibby, thank you so much for coming on the show today. How can how can everyone keep following you, your work, learn when the memoir drops, you know, see what you're up to? Uh, the best way is through Instagram at Zibby Owens, Z-I-B-B-Y-O-W-E-N-S. I'm on it way too much and uh, <laughs> I'm always updating it and I try to be you know good about communicating um, and then I have my website zippyowens.com which hopefully by the time this uh, comes out will finally have been updated a little bit <laughs> I love so. it Zibby thank you so much for being with us today thank you so much for having me it's such an honor this wraps a certain age a show for women over 50 who are aging without apology join me next week when I sit down with Angie Kim author of the courtroom drama Miracle Creek to hear about her pivot from law to best-selling author. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time. And until then, age boldly, beauties. <laughs>